Hello, this is A.R. Bernard, and welcome to my podcast. My objective, it's simple, to create a platform where you can be educated, informed, and inspired as you navigate the intersection of faith and culture. If you have no faith, maybe you'll find it here. So, thanks for tuning in. Hello, family. It is our 50th wedding anniversary, and I was actually able to talk her into joining me to give a little bit of an interview to share her with you. You haven't seen her uh, in services for about three years because of COVID, and you saw her at uh, our son Jared's funeral last year. So our 50th wedding anniversary. Hello, Pastor Cameron. What's up, my brother? Yeah, what's up, my brother? Face the camera, talk to the people, say hello. Hello. That's it? What else should I say? Uh, whatever you want. You haven't had a chance to talk to them. Say hello. Once I get talking. All right, so let me let me start the conversation. How's this? 50th wedding anniversary. We got married when we were 19 years old. It's been 50 years married, three years we dated, and here it is 50 years later. So how's it been being married to me? A doozy. Okay, wait, wait. All right. You're going to be nice. You're not going to dog I am, I am being nice. All right. So let's talk about how we met in high school. How you were lusting? Oh, you can't say that. This is spiritual. This is a Sunday morning service. You can't say things like that. But that's what you were doing. I, okay, let's talk about high school. We met and we interacted with each other. That's not exactly what happened. You would stare at me when I would come into the auditorium. Because you were staring at me. No, I wasn't. When I walked she in. She was checking me out, by the way. No, I wasn't. <laughs> yes, he was. No, I wasn't. Anyway, go ahead. Your, so, version. Your version of the story. It's the true version. I would walk into the auditorium, and I would always see this guy staring at me. I paid no attention. But then when I looked around again, he's still staring. So he stared until the bell rang for us to go to class. The next day, same thing. Next day, same thing. So then I started saying to myself, if he's gonna stare, I should stare back. So I would sit there and stare at him. We didn't say two words to one another. This is true. It's I agree, very this is true. true. But then, then, one day, one day, one day, my friend Isaac and I, who was the center on our basketball team when we played CYO ball, he knew your sister Sharon. Yes. And one day he said to me, when we were walking by the Bushwick Projects where she grew up, he said, I know this girl Sharon, she's probably cooking something to eat. Let's stop by. They were hungry and had no money. Well, we had to. Money. They didn't, didn't have didn't no money. They didn't have no money. Yeah, you know we didn't have any money. Because you wouldn't have came to my house. Well, yes, we did. We came for something to eat. Said your sister Sharon. So anyway. She was cooking. My friend Isaac and I, we went in, went up to her apartment with her sister, and we were there talking. Isaac introduced me to her. My sister, and we were talking. And my sister asked me to go to the store to pick up some things. Before we got there. Before they got there. That's right. Not knowing that they were coming. And um, so I went to the store to pick up the things she wanted. And when I got back and I saw Pastor there, I said to him, what you doing here? And I said, what are you doing here? Because I was already in the apartment. She opens the door to come in. 
We look at each other and we're the two people that were staring at each other, at each other in school. And here we are. Mm-hmm. Radar. Radar. And that's when it started. We started dating in April of 69. April 21st, 1969. Yes. And she didn't get it. She wasn't serious. So we went the whole from April to September. And September the 12th. Yeah, and 69. I decided she wasn't taking me seriously. So I'm out. He told me it was over. Gone. Done. And what happened? For the rest of the night, all I did was cry. I didn't realize that I had deep feelings for him. I know I liked him, but I didn't know I had deep feelings for him. So I cried for hours. And in his kind heart, he called me and told me he'll give me one more chance. <laughs> one more chance. And what happened? I accepted. See? She realized that she loved me. Yes. And it was divine, really. God brought us together miraculously because there's no way we would have met. There was we're, no way. We were two different worlds apart from each other. Yes. She ended up in going to a school that would lead to high school that we would meet up in, and that's where our lives would come together. It was and a junior high school that my mother wanted me to go to in Queens because she felt that um, going to school in Brooklyn wasn't doing me good. So she had me transferred to Queens using my aunt's address. And, um, and I didn't want to go to any high school that my siblings was going to. So I picked Grover Cleveland and that's the school I went to. I graduated in junior high school in the ninth grade, so I started high school in the 10th. And that's where we met up. That's where we in met. In Grove Cleveland High School. Yes. Two worlds apart. Yes. And of course, we look back now and saw how God divinely orchestrated us coming yes. together. And we dated for three years in 1972, October 1st. But we saw we saw a pattern um, that happened the 69 and then in 70 we met and saw dating in 69 then in 72 um we got married 73 my great aunt wait a minute back up 1971 which was the year before we got married when we met those two old two ladies ladies that those stopped. two old ladies who stopped us you tell the story but I thought Pastor heard what they what she was asking me. I thought she knew these two old ladies who came walking towards us. It was a Saturday morning, right? Uh, and in Brooklyn. And they came walking towards us. It was still early, so the sidewalk was still clear. There was people and, out. Yeah, but they, they came up to you directly. She came up and said to me, can I ask you a question? And I said, yes. And she said, do you love this guy? And I said, yes. And she said, are you willing to go through what God has for him? And I said, yes. And she said, God bless you. 
And I said, thank you. And we... And that was it. We started walking away and I asked her what just went on. Because I thought she knew these old ladies. And she I thought, thought I heard the conversation. She heard the conversation. Nope. And I said to him, let's go see where those two biddies went. Oh, biddies. That's what Let's I said. See, this is a Sunday morning church service. I told you, gotta watch what you say. All right. So, we went to see where the old ladies went. Go ahead. I didn't say that. I said what I just said I said. All right. Said. We went to find the old ladies. We looked for them. And I said to pastor, I said either, mind you, we had no knowledge of God or anything. But I said to pastor, either they ran up those train steps, jumped in a cab that we didn't see, or they just disappeared. Yeah. We went looking for them. They were there was no way they could have gotten in a cab or ran up the train. We steps even that went fast. into Woolworth um, store. We sure did. We went, we went into the store looking for them. And we could and not find them. No. That so that was 1971. Yes. 1972 we got married. Yes. 1973. And remember, I'm following the nation of Islam at this time. And I'm going through. And I wasn't going to follow Muslim. with him in that direction. She was because she just didn't know it. So no, I wasn't. I wasn't going in that but Jesus, direction. But Jesus, Jesus kept showing up. That's the problem. So seventy-one, the two old ladies that disappeared on us. Who asked you those I, questions? I, I still want to let them know that I wasn't going in the Muslim direction because my One attitude wasn't up. Look, I took her to the mosque with me once. Bad scene, bad scene. Because you know, then they wanted to search you and well, touch you. And I told them, don't touch I, I'm me. I'm in the mosque, men and women are separated. I hear this commotion, don't touch me, don't touch me. Who is it? Don't look in my pocketbook. So, I don't work out. I didn't take her back after that. I anyway, didn't want to go back. So, 72, we got married. And- um, 73. Yeah, October 1st, we got married. Right? And I borrowed $10 from my grandfather. Your grandfather. Yes. My uncle's car. Yes. And we got married. Yes. And we went to the movies to see Superfly. That was it. 70, that was 72. So 73, now her aunt calls me. Her aunt. He never sat down with my aunt. He never had a conversation with her. He, he only was introduced to her at my grandmother's house. And they never conversated, but she called my grandmother's house and told my grandmother to tell pastor to come to her house, but come by himself. And I said, why would she tell you that? I said, that's my aunt. I said, I should be able to come with you, but you did what she said. I sure so did. Um, we all did, nobody, no. She was a minister in the, in the Methodist, Methodist Church, Church, one of those stern ministers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I went to see her, and she said to me that she had to pray for me and anoint me. If this is strange language to me, I don't know anoint. I didn't know all that stuff. Had me kneel down before her, and she put her hand in my fro. And he always kept his hair so neat. I mean, super neat. That's right. That's right. But when he came, when he came back, and I asked him what happened, he says she told him that the Lord told her 
to anoint him for the work that was ahead of him. And he said that she pulled out this bottle he now know was um, holy oil and she poured it on his hair and she told him to kneel down and she put her hands in his head and started praying for him. And as she was praying, he said she started using a language that he couldn't understand, which he later learned was tongues. And um, he came home. That was in 73. 74, Daisy Lopez. Became my secretary, Pentecostal woman, started talking to me about Jesus in a different way. And by the end of 74, she invited you and I. Yes, even my grandmother um, went went with with us us to go to this... um, See this meeting where a guy named Nikki Cruz was sharing his testimony. Yes. Right? But I couldn't... He had an altar call. January 11th, 1975. I was up to the altar... I didn't understand nothing he was saying. He's speaking in Spanglish. But I know that something happened that night. I know something happened happened that night. God burned like a torch when he prayed for me. I knew something happened. I knew something happened, Pastor. Because when we got home, I couldn't even look him in his eyes. It looked like somebody else was looking at me. So I would keep my head down and then he wanted to have these deep prayers where I wanted the power of God to manifest and even that night when I got home I had an ounce of Acapulco gold and I was preparing to distribute I flushed it and she knew on top of the eyes that the business was now changing and that began a whole new journey. It, and for it, more, go ahead. Sorry. For me, it was a scary journey. Um, and he, he didn't, bec- he, I understood that he didn't understand this whole event that he was walking into. I understood that, but he made it so scary. But yet at the same time, I wanted, I wanted to understand what it was that happened to him. So I would go to the elderly women to ask them and... um, But we're not gonna give it all away in this episode. We're going to continue with a series of this conversation and it'll be available on ARB TV. So, we want to share our anniversary with you, mm. tell you we love and appreciate you, and Thank give you. you a little taste of our story, which we're going to share more of with you. How about that? And I did give my life to the Lord in March Three months 22nd, later. 1975. That came. night, Saturday night. Amen. And that was a powerful story, and you got to hear that story. So... Thank you all for wishing Thank us you. a happy anniversary. Thank, Thank you. you for being a part of our spiritual family. Thank you for celebrating with us 50 years of marriage, 50 years really of her staying with me and helping me to become a better man. God bless you, CCC. Till next episode. Bye-bye. Bye. Come on, we can do better. 50 years. 50 years.
50 years. I'm at 23. I'm like 50. I'm counting. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> yeah, I was looking for this. <laughs> oh, come on, let's pray. I know there's, there's so much to pray for. Hallelujah, Lord. Just making sure my posture is correct before I go before the throne of grace. Father God, thank you. For who you are and what you are. The fact that you sent your son to die on the cross and rise from the grave in order that lowly old Jamal can approach you in a bold way. Lord, so I come to you and say thank you for the access you have given us. Yes, Lord. And with that access you have given us right now, Lord, I lift up the people in Florida, the individuals that have been tossed to and from that are still in the hard-hit places Hmm. that are not sure what's going to happen with their houses, their homes, where they're going to eat, even tonight, Lord. Yeah, yeah. We ask that you provide a way. We pray and ask that you lift up the church as a body of believers to do what it is that you have called us to do and respond in times of crisis like this. With the ultimate goal of people meeting you through meeting us. So Lord, we lift up the ones who have dealt with loss. That you comfort them in this time of crisis. Loss of a loved one, loss of a home, loss of a vehicle, loss in general, Lord, that you comfort them. Right now we turn this prayer over to the service. And first of all, we say thank you for the excellent example of a marriage. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows, we say thank you for the example of a man keeping his word when he said, I do. Thank you for the woman who kept her word and said, I do. And made marriage a conviction and not a preference. Thank you. So Lord, we pray for 50 more years that their ladder will be greater. You anoint them afresh with a consistent word on the tip of each other's tongue to speak a word in season when that will elevate and lift up and build up. And, one that will, and not one that will tear down. Let their friendship, the bond of friendship grow even stronger. Yes, Lord. As time goes on. Like great wine. It gets better over age. Thank you, Lord. So you say, have your way. We pray for the rest of the service, Lord, and anoint us to continue to hear a word in season that would not just challenge us, but would change us. Yes, Lord. That would take us from season to season. So have your way. You direct. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. 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 Come on, hug three people or bless three people before you're seated. <laughs> Greet them. Right? That's yes. Right? Yes.
fist bump, whatever you want to do. Fist bump. <laughs> However you want to do it. Well, so... We got one chair here today. Yeah, we got one chair today. Pastor's going to unpack. Uh, but you're going to talk about Florida real quick. Because in the first service we had uh, Mr. Sheldon Wilson and we had Don, radio personality. So very quickly. <laughs> real quick housekeeping. Okay. I have no see, idea. See, I wasn't the only one. No, you're not All right, there. see, people look at me like, Pastor Bube, Bubby, Henry, I don't know. I have no idea. We have an announcement <laughs> real quick. Uh, uh, for Pam, we, uh, we need men um, for our Christmas production. We're looking for a few good men. Uh, <laughs> the CCC Drama Ministry is looking for men for the CCC 2022 Christmas production, men of all ages, skilled or with some experience, passionate, available, and dependable. Bring your talents and bring your heart. The work in drama ministry is challenging, but exciting. Please contact Yvonne Facey Francis immediately at YD, I mean YF Drama. Once again, that's YF Drama, D-R-A-M-A-1, the number one, at AOL.com. And I was shocked because she had an AOL. I'm like, how many people still use an AOL? <laughs> so, the, okay, so I'm going to behave because all of the ones that, most of the ones that was using AOL got mad at me, and I started realizing a pattern. <laughs> See, because if you were my age and you're AOL, right, for my age group and a little younger, it wasn't professional, so we had to stop using that AOL account and went to a professional account because mine's like Big Money J at AOL, <laughs> right? Like, how many of us, come on, I'm not the only one, right? <laughs> but the older generation still has their AOL account, they still use it. I'm like, man. I, I don't have one. <laughs> I said the pattern, oh, the pattern. most, most of the individuals. Pattern. So I'm not going to make fun of those with AOL accounts, but is yfdrama1 at aol.com. You got mail. <laughs> I <know>. All right. <laughs> well, real quick, real quick, because I don't want to use up past his time. He has a very amazing word for you. But we are working on, for those who have been reaching out, asking what are we doing for Florida, Florida got hit harder than they thought. It, 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 the, yeah. the hurricane moved in a direction that didn't expect it to move, and it did more damage over a larger piece of land than they thought, uh, to the point where... Uh, Individuals that are members and are family members of members in the Orlando area have been hit hard, and we're looking on a way to respond. The, 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 the reality is, right, and, I, and I'm saying this, trying to be, you know, because my dad gives me those looks, and I'm not close enough for him to grab me, but there is a disparity on response time for certain communities, right? And I think it's always... a, a what happens in the response time for the communities, my opinion is that people are saying, okay, how can we make money off this response time for a particular community? All right? How am I doing? Going good. All I'm right. not going to grab you for that one. <laughs> and I think this is an opportunity for the church to respond, right? Um, uh, somebody asked me, how do we, you know, um, when, when do you see generosity? I said, the sad thing about it is you tend to see generosity mostly from, American, uh, from the American population, because I, I was in an American setting, uh, when it's time of crisis. 
But what has happened in the past is that the church hasn't responded like it should have been. So there's outside agencies that have been responding like the church should have been responding. And I think there's a time for us right now to be able to respond. And immediately response to say is pray. Right? Pray and ask God, how can you participate in responding to the individuals? Because a lot of us thank God for the people who responded when Sandy came and hit our, our area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So pray, how, do, how should you respond? Also pray that God will send God-fearing individuals that are in places of leadership that would deal with certain communities the correct way. Yeah. yeah. One of the statements that one of the ministers that, uh, that we had a Zoom call with this morning said that there are a lot of individuals that are in their homes. They don't want to leave for two major reasons. One, they're worried about it being vandalized or stripped away from them, come back and new ownership, right? This is the reality of certain communities. And number two, they're illegal. So they're not answering the doors. They might be in, in turmoil with water still in the house because they're illegal. And one of the communities is a big Haitian population. There's a, uh, a language gap. And individuals are saying, no, we're not going to speak to the cops because I don't want to be deported. I don't want to get arrested. So I'd rather you know, not get the help that's possibly out there mm. at the risk of staying here in the country. And I'll stay in this type of environment, and, and it's not good. So we're looking to say, okay, how can we respond Please listen out for announcements, whether it's social media, uh, during service, and what Dr. Renard and I might be speaking about, of how we're looking to respond. But please pray, right? Please pray, because this, people underestimated this. And a lot of the people are dis- uh, in, in a, a place of despair, a place of hopelessness, a place of hurt, a place of anger. And I think, once again, this is a great time for the church to respond, because we're not looking for their, their money. We're looking... To serve and give back. Yeah. And you got yeah. two groups. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And, and also, if, they, if you want to volunteer, because we're going to be sending down uh, teams yes. to Florida. And if you have the time to volunteer to be a part of it, Minister Dario uh, Leviosa will be heading that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll work on that. Yep. But don't volunteer and say, oh, I'm going to Disney one of the days I'm supposed to be volunteering. You know, you want you all, you're supposed to be on the assembly line and I turn around and you at Disney, you come back on the assembly line with some Mickey ears. That's going to be a situation. <laughs> but I know. But please pray. We, uh, it's needed. And, you know, with us launching a church in uh, Orlando, uh, uh, the irony is they're really looking for us to respond. Yeah. The, even the church is down there. Yeah. Are looking, they're looking at CCC and say, okay, please respond. We know you have the capacity. We want you to help us. Please respond. And, and that's the thing with large churches. People, you know, some people criticize large churches. It's a big church. You get lost, etc. But you've got to understand, and it depends on the, the environment that's created in that large church. Here, we try to make it as intimate as possible, as personal as possible. Because in human relationship, this is not measured in miles. It's measured in affection. So if we're affectionate and create an affectionate environment, the distance and largeness uh, decreases. But what large churches have is capacity, mm-hmm. the capacity to respond in ways that smaller churches can't. So people look to us, churches look to us, especially since you've done a great job on the ground in Florida, building relationship with elected officials, with the churches and the uh, not-for-profit organizations. So they're looking to us thank and you. we're going to respond. And I, I think, thank you. I think, because uh, you, you set the example, you set the bar, and when I looked at what we did with Hurricane Sandy, one of the things that you know, a lot of the people in the church don't know is that 
we didn't look to respond in each community because the reality is the church that's in the community is the church that's going to be in the community when everything, uh, you know, when everybody leaves. So Dr. Nard was like, let's empower the church. So we actually bought generators, took the generators to the church, stocked the refrigerators and say, look, you know, provide for your community because you're, gonna, you're the institution that's going to be the sign of hope. Not CCC because CCC is not over there. And so we're, we're looking to really, when we work, we work together. Mm-hmm. We don't try to do it all on our own because we can't. So thank you for setting that example. Amen. You out? Yes. <laughs> God bless and enjoy the service. <laughs> Come on, let's give the young man a round of applause and appreciation. And thank, thank you, CCC, for your generosity, your giving spirit, your consistency, your trust in this ministry, uh, that this is good ground. And you want to sow into good ground because it does matter where you sow. It does matter because that determines the return on your investment. Amen? So we, we've set the bar high, and that's okay. We, we want to set those standards. Praise the Lord. How many enjoyed my lovely wife? Karen Bernard. I don't know if I could deal with another episodes two through ten, um, but we had so much fun, um, you know, just setting all that up and then having the conversations. And she's funny, but she's not trying to be. She's just being who she is. That, that's who she, who she is. And we're going to share more of our journey and the ups and downs, the challenges that we had. It wasn't always wonderful and rosy and happy. You know, we, we, we went through a lot uh, over the last 50 years of, of, of marriage uh, and 44 years of ministry. Uh, so ministry played a large role in those 50 years of marriage and helped to shape and fashion us. And just a point of clarification... Um, for those of you who don't know what Acapulco Gold is, um, all I can say is stop lying. Uh, the inconsistency between that and it was a business for me uh, and the Nation of Islam is that I was in process. I was in process. In fact, God came in to, to save me at a time that I was about to make a full commitment to the nation and um, the ex, the whole thing, I was going to go full force. But God dealt with my heart continually, and he kept showing up in these miraculous ways that were undeniable between her aunt and, and, and those two older ladies and other uh, situations that we'll share with you that were, look, you could not deny that something supernatural was happening. Amen. Praise the Lord. So that's our journey, and we share it with you, and um, God is good. Amen. And, and, and we're happy to be that example. And, you know, marriage is a vocation. It's a calling. It's a call of God for the man to assume a position of leadership and responsibility for family. It's a call of woman to uh, take on a supportive role without losing her own identity, because ontologically, men and women are equal, but functionally, we are different. That's reality, and that's the biblical standard. And we occupy different roles in life, but all coming together for the good of what's foundational to society, and that is the family. This weekend is a full weekend for my family, 
Yesterday, October 1st, was our 50th wedding anniversary. It was the eighth wedding anniversary for our youngest son and his wife. It was the birthday of our, son, our grandson, Justin. And today is the first anniversary of the passing of our son last year, our, our middle son. So this whole weekend for us is full. And um, today, after service, we're going to be meeting up, going to a restaurant together, and just sitting down, having a meal, and just enjoying each other's company and talking about life, death, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and reality. And when my family goes out to dinner, it requires a whole section in the restaurant or a room uh, for all of us. So uh, thank you for your prayers and support of, uh, prayerful support especially, for our family and what we've gone through. Um, as we think about ages, times, and seasons, our approach to this is from the perspective of what God is doing. Often when you think prophetically, apocalyptically, eschatologically, uh, about the times that we're in, it's usually around the coming of Jesus and all that's wrong with the world. But what we want to look at it from is the perspective of God. Because I think more important than what the devil is doing in the world is what God is doing in the world. And that's what I want to be tuned into. I don't want to be overwhelmed by evil because I'm giving it too much of my attention. I want to, become, I want to overcome evil with good. I want the good to be always in the forefront of my thinking and my experience and that to be the filter through which I see, experience, understand, and live life. Amen? So, uh, some interesting things happened to me this week in my devotional time. The, the Word of the Lord came to me in a very deep and profound way. When you think of, let's go to uh, book of Acts chapter 1, book of Acts chapter 1. So good to have Phil Nicholas with us today. Phil, thank you for being with us, man. And where is... Okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. Good to have you with us, man. All the way from Los Angeles. God bless you. So uh, let's go to Acts chapter 1, verse 6, and just give some context. This is after Jesus' resurrection from the dead. He has spent, as you heard Elder Pointer read in the scripture uh, during communion, that he spent, Jesus, after his resurrection, spent time, some 40 days, interacting with over 500 individuals, especially with his disciples, and speaking to them about the kingdom of God, and really presenting to them a kingdom agenda that was being initiated and the establishment of a new age. There's that word age. The word age there in the New Testament is the Greek word ion, A-I-O-N, ion. And it speaks specific to a period of time, but uh, what's essential in understanding age or ages is the characteristics of that time. That's what stands out most importantly. So they are still in the Jewish mindset. They haven't embraced Jesus' words when he said, other sheep I have who are not of this fold. This fold was the Jewish people. When he sent the 70 out, the 70 disciples out and empowered them to heal the sick, to 
cast out devils and proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. He strictly told them, don't go to the Samaritans. Don't go to the Gentiles. Go first to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So the gospel would come to the Jewish nation of Israel first. And then from there, it would spread out to the Gentiles of the rest of the world. Because God's promise to Abraham was that Messiah, a seed, an offspring of Abraham, would be born into the world and emerge as the messianic leader and fulfillment of the promise that God gave to redeem humanity. He would be a blessing to Abraham and his offspring, but also a blessing to the world at large. And all nations, all nations will be blessed in him and by him. But these disciples were still entrenched in their Jewishness. They were so ethnically and nationalistically identified that it was difficult for them to think and move beyond that. So it's not surprising that here it is that Jesus is commissioning them as he is about to leave and turn ministry over to them in a very unique way. They are still asking him the question of the restoration of power to Israel and the removal of Israel from under Gentile rule. That was their major concern. So here, verse 6, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. So who's in control of ages, times, and seasons? He is in control. He is in control of human history. This is what providence is. Providence is God's participation fully in directing, providing for, protecting movement of human history towards a very specific end. Essentially, history, besides it being a, an occurrence of events with certain conditions and, and cycles and actions and activities, etc., it is the administration of God in the world moving humanity in his redeeming love and ultimately back or to the restoration of Eden. So God's relationship with history is redemptive, what we call in theological circles redemptive history. So the Bible, the Bible is not a manual. And I've heard you, I don't know if you've ever heard this Bible, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions, before leaving earth. How many have ever heard of that? Yeah, and, and, and I, I have some good friends, dear friends of mine, who preach that the Bible is an instruction manual for life. It is not. Have you ever looked at a, a manual for something, especially a car? Take a car manual, right? That manual is designed to speak to every aspect of the product. The Bible does not speak to every aspect of our lives. It is not specific in response to the issues of our lives. And issues that we're dealing with today never came up. If you take the hot button issue of abortion, the word abortion is not found in the Bible. And the first and primary reference to it is found 
in the Old Testament in a situation which I'll get to talk about later, which it talks about who is at fault and how it should be remedied if a woman is pregnant and gets in between an argument between her husband and some other uh, man. And in that process, she gets injured, and the baby is injured. And that's what it speaks to. So if the baby is lost, it speaks to the consequences of that, who should be held guilty, all of that. So how do we respond to that hot button uh, issue of abortion when there's no specific text to it? Well we go to the principle. Remember, the Bible is principles, patterns, and precepts. So we find a principle. A principle is a broad and basic truth that guides us in our decision-making and our thinking about issues. So there's a principle that is intrinsic in the Bible, and that is the life and dignity of the human person because we're made in the image of God. So the value for human life becomes a principle that guides us in areas where the Bible doesn't speak specifically on an issue. And I can go on and on and point out where the Bible doesn't speak specifically, but it gives us a principle. Sometimes it's a precept, which is a direct command. But majority of times, it's patterns and principles. Amen? So it's not an instruction manual the way you think of an instruction manual. Does it instruct us about life? Absolutely. It contains psychology, sociology, anthropology, it's science. It contains everything that we can imagine. All right? But it is not designed the way you would find a manual that would be like a manual for your, your car. Got it? It's very, very, very important. And it gets into social issues as well. But there are those who want to slap it on you like that, and then you look for a scripture. And there's not a scripture. How many know there's not a scripture for everything? So we have to work through a process of thinking, critical thinking and understanding, and within guidelines of, 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 of higher values. And that's how we, we think it through. So times... Ages, times, and seasons. And I want you to think of these things in this way. So when you think of ages, and these things can overlap, times, and I'm going to define these things for you, seasons. When you think of ages, there's a central word, and the word is characteristics. An age is a period of time that has certain distinctive characteristics about it. The Apostle Paul uses the language in the first chapter of Galatians when he refers to this period that we're in as this present evil age. So he characterizes this age that we're in as having a great deal of activity around evil, lawlessness. The word times has a central word because times are characterized also. But the central word that we are to think of when we think of times, events. Very significant, key events. Like we're going to look into a phrase in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, 
the times of the Gentiles. What does that mean? Why is that the language? And when we think of seasons, the central word, because there are events that take place in ages, times are, have certain characteristics, so there's an overlap. But I want to give you the primary word to think of when you think of each of these things. So when you think of seasons, think of the word purpose. When you think of the ages, what should be predominant in your thinking? Characteristic. Characteristic. What characterizes this particular age or period? When you think of times, what should you be thinking about? Significant events that take place within that frame. And when you think about seasons, you think about what? Purpose. Purpose. Because seasons are specific to a purpose. And and the the word season, like, this is the word... Greek word ion, right? Um, this is usually the word chronos, which has to do with chronological time. And seasons is the word kairos. How many have heard of a kairos moment? Right? For such a time as this. You know the story, right, Esther? So a season has to do with purpose. So let's run through it again. Age has, ages have to do with what? Primarily characteristics. Times has to do with what? Primarily events. Seasons have to do with what? Primarily with purpose. Are seasons, do seasons have certain characteristics? Yes. Do seasons have certain events in them? Absolutely. But the most operative word when you think season is the word purpose. Right? So let me give you a personal application. I'm going to share my personal uh, experience with you. Can I do that? You're not inquisitive enough. Can I do that? All right, good. If you don't want it, I'm out. And I can be out. So... We are given four stewardship responsibilities by God. Stewardship means to manage and to lead. We're all given in life four stewardship responsibilities. How many? How many? Talk back to me. How many? Four. Four stewardship responsibilities that we all have that God gives us and for which we will be held accountable. And for which we will be held what? accountable. Number one, stewardship over our time. Number one, we will be judged for what we, what, what we have done with the time given to us. And that's why it's not the amount of time you have, it's what you do with the time you have. Stewardship over our time. And if there's any place that all men are created equal, it's in time. We all get 24 hours. You can't save it, bank it, spare it. You can only use it. Amen? The, the, the expression saving time is really not a legitimate expression. You can't save it. The clock keeps ticking. There's no bank that you can put it in and draw from. Because if we could do that, I would want to find the one with the most interest. 
And I love Pastor Jamal's prayer. He prayed that I have another 50 years of marriage with Pastor Cameron. That'll make me 119. Somewhere around there. Sounds good to me. Praise the Lord. So stewardship over our what? Time. Time. Turn to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, you never get a second chance to spend today. It's gone. You either use it or lose it, right? Amen? That's the reality about time. And that's why it's important to reflect on how you spent your day. Are you getting the most out of it? Where are you in life? You should always be asking that. Especially if you're shooting for the moon, you better, you better do some mid-course correction. Don't wait till you get close to find out if you're close. Amen? Amen. Stewardship over your time, number one. Number, number two, stewardship responsibly over your talent. Everybody's given a gift, a talent, an ability. God has given you a talent. He's given you a gift. He's given you an ability. It's your response to that ability. It's also known as responsibility. To develop your skill in the use of that gift. That's on you. God gives you a gift. You've got to develop your skill in the use of that gift. That's good preaching right there. So you have stewardship responsibility over your time, your talent, right? You say, but I don't know what my talent is. Find out. That's no excuse. You know how many assessments they are? They're in existence, aptitude tests, gift tests, talent tests, leadership tests. There are too many assessments out there for you to say, I don't know what my gift is. Find out. Amen? Amen. So, over your time, over your talent, over your treasury, your money. What do you do with money? Some people can't handle money when they get it. I got to get rid of this. I got to buy something. You have a bad, some people have a bad relationship with money. But you will be judged for your stewardship responsibility, right? And I will tell you, that judgment comes a lot quicker. When you mess up your money, you feel it now. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven. <laughs> Turn your neighbor and say, he's talking to somebody you know. <laughs> and lastly, we are given stewardship responsibility over our relationships. Relationships are the fuel for life. Relationships are the network for life. And relationship precedes ministry. So important is relationship that Jesus said, if you're at the altar offering your gift, and remember, while you're there offering that gift, you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave the gift. Go and first be reconciled. Which means the relationship is more important than the offering. More important than the gift. More important than the religious practice or ritual or worship or service to God. The relationship is more important. Jesus spent his ministry building relationships out of which the gospel would be spread. He had a relationship with 12 
And even within the context of the 12, he had a closer relationship with Peter, James, and John. And even in the context of the three, he had a closer relationship with John. And they all knew it and accepted it. He had a relationship with the 500, the 70 that he sent out, the multitudes that he ministered to. And each relationship occupies a different sphere, that sphere that goes out from where you are, proximity. So, four stewardship responsibilities. What are they? Come on. Time, talent, treasury, and relationships. And when it comes to your relationships, your stewardship responsibility with your relationships has to do with your relationship with God, your relationship with people, your relationship with places, and your relationship with things. Time, money, etc. comes under things. But here's interesting. We have a relationship with places that we often fail to examine, fail to evaluate, fail to analyze, fail to reflect on. And yet a place that you're in can relate to a season that you're in. A season that you're in can relate to a place that you're in. Amen? Yeah. We understand that this, this is a place, but you have a relationship with this place. Don't you have a relationship with this place? Amen? Yeah. And out of that relationship, you have certain expectations in terms of what you experience, what you expect from it, standards, everything else comes into play. We have relationship with places. Our home. Your car. Every, it's, it's, it's a space. What you experience. So, relationship with God, with people, with places, and with things. In fact, look how close, you know what a noun is, person, place, and thing, right? So, I want to look at this. Places. Places. Because you have to discern seasons. You have to discern seasons. Sometimes it's obvious, but most of the time, you have to try and discern it. That's why we grow in life. We, 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 right? we learn, we grow, we lead. Right? We learn, we grow, we lead. And how do we grow? How do we learn? Through study and reflection. Amen. Through study and reflection. Study of Scripture, which is divine revelation. And study of the natural order which is natural revelation. And we reflect. So as I think about seasons and reflect, let me share with you. Pastor Karen and I are in the process of moving into a new home. It came up during COVID where someone in, uh, in our neighborhood, uh, he happened to, to be um, an accountant for a mega organization across the country. And he was in a pressured sales situation and had, had to move. That was to our advantage because it meant that we could buy the house for less than the market value. And we could negotiate that way. And compounded by COVID, right? So it was a great opportunity. And the only reason I was entertaining the opportunity is because of the condition of things that we were in. So let me give you the back story. In, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say house number one, house number two, house number three. 
So in 2000, in the year 2000, we moved into house number one in the year 2000. So from 2000 to 2016, we were in this house. This is, seven, this is 16 years, right? 16 years, so I'm counting. We moved from this house to this house for a reason, for a reason. What's the key word for seasons? In seasons, can't hear you, what? Purpose. So we moved into this house actually in 2017, but I'm going to put 2016 here. And now, this is 2022, so that's how many years? Thank you for the answer. And now this is 2022. So I'm looking at our relationship with place, houses, right? And I'm looking at 2000 to 2016, 2016 to 2022, 2022. This house, all right, was a house that we were going to spend the rest of our lives in. We arrived. We were there. Done. We were happy. Praise the Lord. Nice house. But during the course of that time, in that house, many things happened. Many things transpired. In 2015, our firstborn son passed. He died from an asthma attack. That's 2015. And during those 16 years, 15 years rather, um, Pastor Karen and our firstborn son, they were cut buddies. She could do no wrong in his eyes. He could do no wrong in her eyes. They were close. They were cut buddies. Partners in crime. He would cover for her. She would cover for him. He was a chef. Her father was a cook. That's why when we were dating, I knew that they cooked. Uh, dinner was on Sundays at 4 o'clock. So that's when I came courting. <laughs> Remember, I was up in her apartment because of looking for a meal. First time I was there. So, so they bonded around cooking and culinary and, and all of that. Right? And they were very, very close. So in 2015, when he passed, the rest of the year into 2016, she was an emotional wreck because the house that we were in, there were nothing but memories. And it got to the point where she was down in the kitchen one evening and she said, I heard him talking to me. And that's because it was so real, so imprinted you know, on her mind and her experience and her heart and her emotions. He, did, he wasn't there talking to her, okay? But it was like she could feel his presence there. And they were interacting like they would when he was alive. And I began to see that it was taking a toll on her. I said, okay, we've got to move. There's just too much emotionally attached to this house, to this place. How many understand our relationship with places? can be very powerful and very influential. 
So I said, we've got to change that. So I said, I said, I said, we could, it's good because we can downsize now. The kids are, are grown. You know, our, our last son, he's married and, and, you know, he's going to be getting his own home and, and, you know, it's, it's just her and I. So we moved in 2016 to downsize. Say downsize. downsize. All right. And when we moved in 2016 to downsize, the aftermath of my son's passing included our daughter-in-law relocating and taking our granddaughter, but the three boys didn't want to go with her. They wanted to stay. So, of course, you know where they ended up staying. At Mama and Papa's house. So, we downsized. And now we have three new residents. <laughs> and Pastor Karen and I, because the youngest one, Christian, when he came, is like 16 years old, and then Justin was about 18, and then uh, Alfonso. And so we had, we were raising boys again. All over again. We were parents. We were empty nested. We shifted from empty nested to parents in a year. And... You know, it dealt with the issue that was here that caused us to move here, but got a whole new set of issues. How many, how many know you can move from one situation to another, get relief from something, and have a whole bunch of new stuff you got to deal with? Turn your neighbor and say, he's all in your business. <laughs> so we made a decision. We now need to move again. Because our family grew again. And it wasn't me and Karen this time. <laughs> so that opportunity came up. And, and the Lord is taking me through this. And I'm saying, okay, God, why do you have me reflecting on these houses and the, the length of time? And then he said to me, season. And of course, the first word that comes to me is, purpose. And I'm saying, okay, each of these represent a season and a purpose. And the Lord said to me, this period was a period of purification, growth, and maturity. Now, I'm looking at those 16 years differently. And I'm also reflecting on the years before that. What led up to it. And I'm saying purification. And remember, the, the uh, Matthew chapter... Oh, man. I got five minutes? Thank you. Okay. Thank you, sir. So, <laughs> I love when you control the clock. So, so I, look, I look back at what led up to 2000, and I began to examine 2000. Remember, Jesus said, every branch in me that bears fruit, I will purge it. Why? That it can become more fruitful. And to purge is to purify. It is, is to cut away those things that are unproductive. 
Sometimes it's, it's people, it's things, it's, it's relationships. It's, I mean, it could be any, many, many different things. So I began to look through what we went through as a family, as a ministry, in our marriage, in our children. And I began to re-examine those 16 years through the lens of purpose relative to pur purification, growth, and maturity. A wealth of information began to come alive to me. And it's still, I'm still, you know how you read something, you keep getting more every time you go back to it, every time you reflect on it. That's why reflection is so powerful because you can read something in the morning and spend the rest of the day reflecting on it. And as I continue to reflect on, on that season that we were in, I'm still learning. So then I said, well, Lord, well, what was this all about? Because, you know, we thought we downsized and we arrived again. Lord said this was transition. But I didn't know. And it's something how you think you're, you're settled into something and, and, and God knows it's, it's, it's really a transition because there's something else that's coming your way. And transition is where you, you're prepared for what's coming. And you may think you're settling in. We thought we did. We downsized. We, we're done. Just, just, her, just her and I. And circumstances changed. And all of a sudden, we were looking for more space. Transition. And I could, boy, I could spend some time on the word transition. I'll let you go home and unpack that. I said, well, well what's this? It's kind of like I'm glad you asked, right? And, 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 and it's a process that you go through while you're reflecting and, and certain things are highlighted to you and your attention is drawn to certain things and then God begins to speak to you through those things. I also understood that during this period of time, my faith was being strengthened in preparation for some things that he wanted to give me, put into my hands, but my faith couldn't support it. That's why when it says faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word substance there is the Greek word hubosesis, which means support. Your faith is the support of the thing hoped for. So if your faith can't support it, why will he give it to you? Until your Come on. So he's going to build you to the place where your faith can support. If the thing is good and God is going to grant it, he wants to make sure that you can support it. That's why in a conversation that Jesus had with the disciples, he said, I have many things to say to you, but you can't support it right now. You can't bear them now because some stuff is too heavy. Can you imagine if in order for me to be where I am today... Right? He had to tell me that I was going to lose two sons. He had to tell me all. Uh -uh. And it's not that I had to lose them in order to get this. It's simply what was going to happen during the process of moving Karen and I to where we are today. Moving the ministry and my family and everything else. 
And that's why Jesus, you know, in, in Jesus' response in the text that we read in Acts chapter 1, where he says, it's not for you to know. You don't need to know everything. Because if you did, you'd mess it up. Or you'd do a Jonah. Anybody read that book yet? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you because if you didn't read it, you just lost out because you need to read your Bible. You pull a Jonah. I'm out. <laughs> Find a boat. How many of you what I'm talking about? So God gives us information on a need-to-know basis. And we don't necessarily need to know what we think we need to know. God knows best. And he knows what we can handle and when we can handle it. It was in 2003 that we had a service, an Easter service at, at the Nassau Coliseum. And we showed a big video on a tower that we were going to build in the, in the back area of, of, of our property. And we were all excited about it. Oh, we were pumped. Hallelujah. Yeah, Pastor Vision, let's go. And it wasn't supposed to happen. And God didn't tap me on my shoulder and say, mm-mm. No, he just, he just let, you, let me go through my stuff, have fun, let us go through it. And then it just die out. <laughs> and continue expand. And then in 2000, by 2006 and 2007, we were going to be part of a major purchase, a master plan for Starrett City and our property here. We were going to work together on that one. And I said, this is it. Yeah. I shared it with you. That got tanked. The owners, we won the bid. Out of 19 bidders, we won the bid to purchase. And, and the owners decided to refinance it, walk away with half a billion dollars, pay off their limited partners, and it was over for us. Why? Because God didn't have a tower for us. He didn't have a Starrett City for us. He had a $1.2 billion development project that we're going shovels in the ground next year for. How many understand what I'm talking about? But see, and what, what had to happen inside of me? What happened to happen in this ministry? Who, who, I, I could get deep with you on this. Who had to be mayor? Who had to be where? You never know the things that God has to put in place in order to fulfill his purpose in your life and your desire. Because when you delight yourself in the Lord, your desires line up with his desires. But when you're on your own flight, there's tension between you and God. Purification, growth, a season of maturity, a short season of transition. And now... Rest and legacy. We're going to unpack this some more next time. Did you get anything out of this today? How do I take it and apply it to my life? Turn your neighbor and say, neighbor, God's not finished with you yet. We live life on levels. We arrive in stages. Amen. And each stage takes us to a new level of knowledge, understanding, wisdom, relationships, authority, influence, and requires a deepening of our character and faith in order to support the next level that we're being moved to.
Come on, let's all stand. Can we give God some appreciation for the word? Hallelujah. He gave us his spirit and his word and put us in community because we don't grow in isolation. We only grow in community. How many know that God wastes nothing? He wastes nothing. Fed 5,000, told the boys, pick up the fragments. He wastes nothing. And so it is with your life. He wastes nothing. Nothing in your life escapes him. When Jesus said the very hairs on your head are numbered, he was simply saying that God is involved in the minutest detail of your life because that's his promise to you. It's a marriage. It's a marriage. It's a relationship. It's a journey. Father, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit will take this word and unfold it in the hearts and minds of your people. Here in this building, those who are joining us from wherever they are by way of technology, internet, translate it into their context. Translate it into their season right now. Stir the spirit of reflection, observation, and discernment now that they have a framework help them put the pieces of the puzzle together help them connect the dots so that they'll know what to do in cooperation with you in this season of their life this is my prayer father and I know that I know that I know you're going to answer this prayer because it's your desire that they know you that they're guided by you as your sheep and you're their shepherd. Hallelujah. You would not that they be ignorant. You don't want them to fall to the devices of the evil one. Your word is a lamp to their feet, a light to their pathway. So light it up, Lord. That they can see where they're going. And let them trust you along the way. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, slap high five with three people. Tell them I got that word. You'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we can just change the way we think will change the way we see things and will change the quality of our life. Now let me say this, if you're in this building and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you are missing out! Stop denying yourself, depriving yourself of God's love, life, and light, His grace in Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray this prayer. Pray it with me. Pray it with me. Say, Father, I thank you for this opportunity to open my heart to your love, your life, your light, 
your grace in the person of Jesus Christ. I repent of my sins. I ask your forgiveness. And I ask Jesus to now be Lord of my life. I confess him as Lord and Savior. I believe he died for my sins. And he rose from the dead for my justification. To give me new life in him. To reconcile me back to the Father. And right now, right now, as I make this declaration with my heart and my mouth, I'm saved. I am born again, born anew. Your Holy Spirit, fill me. Teach me. Lead me and guide me. I'm yours, Lord. From today on, amen and amen. Come on, give God a good hand, clap offering. And if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I want you to just raise your hand. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, opening your heart to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, just raise your hand high. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Just lift, lift your hand high. I see a hand. I see a hand. Okay. Okay. Minister Misha, you're going to handle this? So, Minister Misha, can you come up? All right. And whoever else is going to be with you, <laughs> Minister Battle, come and if you raise your hand, all right, I want you to follow right over here, Minister Misha. He's going to take you and share some things with you, put some materials, because this is the beginning of a whole new journey, a whole new family, a whole new life. And you've got to learn this way of life. You've got to learn this way of life. So if you raise your hand, step out into the aisle right now, take your belongings with you, make your way up to the front here and be with our minister. Come on, let's give God another hand clap offering for his word, his love, and my incredible wife. Praise the Lord. And until next time, Jesus is Lord. Hear it. We believe it, we proclaim it, and we're seeing it come to pass. God bless you. I love you. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. Thanks for tuning in to the A.R. Bernard Podcast. I hope you were enriched by the information and or the conversation. Make sure to subscribe by clicking the link in the bio to gain more information about me and the work that I'm doing. Again, thank you and God bless. Music.